Hey there, welcome back to e-commerce marketing school. I'm Tony, your host, and in this episode, we'll be chatting with Sky Ordonez, founder and owner of Skylights, where she sells candles, melts, and bath and body products. But she'll actually be pulling back the curtain on her fulfillment process and sharing basically how to transition from packaging orders in a garage or bedroom and scaling to do it from a warehouse and beyond. So if you could use some tips on scaling fulfillment for your business, take some notes and let's dive in. You're listening to E-Commerce Marketing School, presented by Privy. All right. Hey, Sky, welcome to the show. Hey, Tony. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you got it. I mean, I know that you have been on the show before. You were on with Ben a year ago or so, something like that. Maybe it was longer than that. But it's good to have you on because I didn't get to talk to you, so now I do. I know. We got lots of good stuff to talk about today. That's right. And today, which I know you heard at the beginning, we're going to be talking about fulfillment and kind of scaling up your fulfillment processes. Now, this advice that Sky's going to give us today or her experience, this could apply to you as someone doing it from your bedroom, you know, and trying to scale a business to somebody who's maybe already moved into a warehouse. But Sky, basically Sky started from the bottom and I'm not going to finish that phrase. She started <laughs> from the bottom. She scaled up. And um, let's just start about that that whole journey for you. Just, Sky, do you just want to start from the beginning and tell us kind of what that looked like to scale up to a warehouse and stuff? Yeah. So I actually started my business from a room that I was renting in a house. And I eventually scaled up to get a warehouse. And when it first started... I realized that I had to get a new space when it started taking up my entire life. And I started to get enough money where I could afford um, a warehouse or I could potentially afford it. So that's kind of what triggered me looking into the space. You were renting a space. Was this like, this was where you lived or was this a separate space beforehand? Okay, so this is it's where I lived. And the first thing that I actually did before getting a warehouse space is I actually rented out a storage space because... I was making candles in this basement that I was renting, which was two rooms, which me and my now husband were renting out. And one of the rooms had just turned into where we were doing like product fulfillment, making the products and stuff, because everything I do is handmade. And so it got to a point where we couldn't store all the candles that I had. So I ended up getting a storage space to hold the wax and the jars and the different boxes. And once it kind of got to a point where, okay, either we're going to need another storage space or do something else. That's when we decided to get a warehouse, plus our lease was ending. So yeah, lots of changes came with that. <laughs> so you must have had like a lot of back and forth, right? So you're going back to the storage unit, getting supplies, bringing it back, bringing candles that are done to the storage unit, keeping it there. And then when it's time to get some to ship out or somebody purchases one, you got to go back to the storage unit, get them, pack them. All that was crazy, I bet. Yeah, it was a lot. And then on top of that, at the rate of the things that the amount of products that I was purchasing, like boxes and jars, they would typically come on one of the freight trucks. And so like, it's kind of weird when it goes through a residential area. Right. And so I'm like, okay. With a pallet. Of <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got a pallet waiting in my driveway <laughs> and the neighbors are like, what's going on? Of a room that you're renting. <laughs> yeah. So at a certain point, you know, I had to change things up. And that's when I, I started looking for a space. And I'm the first person in my family to start a business or like even know anyone to start a business, like at least at the level that I was at. So I had to try to figure out how to get a warehouse and like how it all worked, or even if I had enough money at the time to like do it, like what is a good qualification for someone who has a warehouse? 
So that in itself was an adventure. Well, tell us about the qualifications for getting a warehouse. And I, I don't mean actual qualifications. I'm, I'm quoting using finger quotes right now, uh, if you can't see me. But where were you at in your business? Not physically, right? We know that you were running out of space. But like, do you remember how much you were making in sales per month? At what stage of business were you when you were like, okay, I need to upgrade? At that time, I was consistently making between like seven to like 13,000 a month. And at that point, I mean, like I'm working in my room <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I think that at this point I could get a space. And for me, like, I didn't know what type of space to look for. So like there's several different types of industrial spaces that you can get. There's like office spaces where you can rent out a space and it's like several different offices, kind of like what real estate groups and stuff would use. Kind of like a we work, but not really that. Yeah, pretty much. And then you have like warehouse spaces that's just a big open space. It might have an office in there. And then you have flex spaces. So the front is an office, the back is a warehouse space. And that's what I had. And like to find my space after I got, I got there, the, some of the qualifications that they had asked for was like, they want to pretty much make sure that you're making about three times the rent. Right. For me, it depends on where you are. Cause this can change. Like if you're in New York city, like I'm sure this is out of the roof. Right. But I'm in North Carolina. It typically ranges from, I would say like 12 to $15 a square foot. So my, um, warehouse was a thousand square feet. My base rent was like $1,300 about. And then you have like these CRM fees and they're like your basic maintenance fees. So in total with the warehouse bills, I was paying about $1,800 a month. And I'm like, okay, this is doable. And it makes my life a lot easier. Sure. Okay. So you, yeah, that now you had a place, you signed a lease, you moved all your stuff there. You use that for front office work. I guess that's just all the desk work that you're going to be doing and managing orders and your site. And then you had a space for storage creating because i imagine creating candles and all the products that you make it's not really clean <laughs> i'm mm -hmm. assuming i don't know <laughs> and then um you've got packaging and fulfillment and are you still in that space today has it lasted you or have you just it's funny because we have just purchased a house during the whole housing crisis congratulations thank you i have moved like an hour and a half away so i the beautiful thing is that my house has a big workshop in the back that's about 500 square feet and it's doable for now, but I haven't learned the area enough to find a space. And I'm also, I don't know if you knew this, Tony, but I'm in flight school to be a pilot. So I'm doing that as well. So I'm kind of like taking a little step back so that I can move forward and really trying to figure out what direction I want to go. Because at this point, it's like you hire employees or you find a manufacturer to do stuff. And I'm in that headspace right now and haven't made a decision yet. So you has wanting to be a pilot been something you've wanted to do long before skylight living? I'm assuming so. It's kind of funny because being a pilot is kind of the reason why I started my business because flight school is very expensive. It's like a hundred K. Getting flight time, those hours is like, that's insane. Yeah. Jeez. But I actually, that kind of came up because I was a gay agent for three years before I started my business. I worked at JetBlue that's kind of what got me here and what like cool little plug in one of my coworkers, Joe, he's the one that came up with the name because I started making the candles and I was like, I have this candle company. My candles are sick. I just don't know what to call it. And Joe's just like skylight. <laughs> and that was it. That's history. Nice. Yeah. 
<laughs> Very cool. <laughs> wow, that's so cool. Okay, I actually didn't know this about you. I feel like I should have known this about you. That's really, really cool. Okay, so at some point you're going to say, okay, I'm going to get employees. I'm going to go all in on this, and this is going to be my main jam. Or I'm going to find a manufacturer. This is going to continue to fund my personal endeavors, and you're, you're going to flight school. When I first started my business, I don't feel as though I considered all it took to start a handmade business, right? Because when you have a handmade business, it's kind of like you're taking on the manufacturing and retail, whereas normally in business, like people are either doing one or the other. So it's a lot. Like typically, like some people that might start a candle business, uh, well, a lot of candle business owners make their own products, but I could just imagine how much easier it would be if I worked with someone who made the candles and then like it's private label and I resell them. But I'm just saying that I feel like having a handmade business is like a whole other ball game that I wasn't, I didn't fully consider when I started, but I like doing it. Like I really love making candles, but if I want to make like a thousand candles, it's going to take me a few days and I can't focus on anything else. Yeah, no. And I think that's important to say, that's important to, to talk about like how real that is. Obviously you love your business. We know that, but it's okay that it's not what you signed up for, even though you still love it. You're still doing it. That's fine. It's okay that it's not what you signed up for. And then you pivot and you change. But I just think that it's cool that it's whether or not it stays the same, it's feeding something that you've been wanting to do, which is really, really cool. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Well, something I, I wanted to ask you just kind of, I know that we have a whole mix of listeners here, but let's say that I am doing stuff in my room, right? Like uh, creating my products in my room, whether they're handmade or maybe I'm, maybe I'm getting them shipped to me and I'm packaging everything. Do you have any advice for someone who wants to take that next step, but this just doesn't really know, am I ready for a warehouse? Am I, you know, do I want to do this? Like, do you have any kind of advice for someone in that stage that's feels kind of stuck where they're at? Yeah. Well, I feel like one of the things that you should do if you're like ready to scale is to make sure that like your systems and processes are like streamlined, like you have. Something I've been working on is like creating a document so that when I'm ready to bring on people um, that it's like simplified where I could bring in employees and it's easy for them to like understand or like even just simplifying the entire process. For example, at one point I had so many different products, like I had candles and wax melts and sugar scrubs and I'm trying to get into stationery and do all these things and it's like you have to have a focus product and focus on that thing and simplify the process to get that to your people and really you'll find that that simplicity is what makes you stand out from your competitors like you have to think about having tons of different products is you're going to need tons of different boxes to ship them out. Now your like costs and like how much you're spending for like all these different things is all over the place, but you'll find it's going to be easier for you to like connect with people and find your master product that people love and sell that versus like having a lot of stuff, right? So pretty much where I'm going with this is that if you're at a point where you're looking to scale, make sure that you are simplifying everything and that your processes and systems are like intact before you like go full on. Cause it's going to be a lot harder to simplify all those things later on down the line. Make sure that it's all tightened up so that you have a perfect process to scale with, right? So that it's not just like, exactly. okay, things are kind of a mess. Let's bring on another product. Yeah, no, absolutely. Cause can you imagine like, if you're going to scale a business, it can't scale without like with just you at some point, you're going to have to bring it on a team. And if you have all these different things, how do you expect somebody to understand all like you have to understand, like as a business owner, that 
even though people will, you bring up people that will care about your business, like no one's going to like quite get it like you do at some points. And so like you have to consider that at some point you're going to have to bring some people on. So about several years ago, I was tasked with growing my department. I actually worked in customer success, customer support a long time ago. And I was the only person in my department. We were a small company and they said, okay, we want to hire 60 people. Everything that's in your brain needs to be in their brains. And I'm like, oh God, <laughs> yeah. you have to write it all down more, more in, in depth than you ever thought you would ever have to write it. So I definitely understand that. It sounds like it's a very similar process. Get everything in your brain down. And that's pretty much the reason why I haven't had an employee yet. It's kind of like I have to. That's what I was going to ask you next. So it's just you still and your husband. Yeah, which he he works full time. He's in the aviation industry as well. Awesome. But I don't know, like for me, it's pretty much, Tony, like getting to a point where like I have to figure out what direction that I want my business to go. Right. And this is the one thing that I didn't do that I would recommend. And I know that a lot of people say that you don't need one, but a business plan. Because that eventually you're going to get to a point where I am and you're here in present time trying to make a decision. And it's like, had I had already had that in the plan, I would know what direction to go. But yeah. Super good advice. I feel like a business plan for people who haven't started a business yet is one of those boring sounding things that like, eh, I don't need to do that. But yes, I know how important a business plan is for sure. Yeah. And I, I felt like that too. And now I'm like, uh, I actually have on my schedule this week to really draft one up. And that means making a decision. Awesome. All right, cool. Well, good luck to you on that decision. I will be zero help in that. But I did want to ask you if people do want to keep up with you, whether it's hearing about you running your business or they're actually interested in your business, where can people kind of follow up with you and, and uh, connect with you? Yeah, if you want to follow my business, probably the best place is Instagram and TikTok at Skylight Living and that's Sky with an E. And if you want to just keep up with me, I have a YouTube channel, which is Sky Elizabeth and that's Sky with an E. All right. Awesome. And if you guys are interested in buying some candles and they will be hand packaged by yours truly, Sky, uh, you can go to skylightliving.com and that's where you can find everything. And I do have to say her website is, if not interested in the candles, you should check out skylightliving.com because the design is really, really nice. And she uses like a lot of the privy features to like to really, really well. So thank you. it's a great kind of example website if you're looking for some inspiration. No, you seriously did a great job. I, whenever I see a great site that's like, man, they're just kind of doing all the things. I like to shout it out because I mean, it's great. You're, you're doing all the things that we recommend that you do, right? Thank you. I'm so proud of that. <laughs> I'm so yeah, proud of that. No, for sure. And it's hard. It's hard to make a website that everyone likes because your audience is so small, right? It's so niche. Your target is so, so small. Okay. But that could be a whole nother episode. Anyway, Sky, thank you so much for coming on and kind of lifting the curtain on kind of your process uh, or your journey to getting scaling up your fulfillment process. I appreciate you coming on. And I appreciate you for having me. Thank you. You got it. And thank you everyone here for listening to e-commerce marketing school. Now, if you're listening to this podcast, I say this every episode, I'm going to say it again. If you want to watch us, chat. You can see us on YouTube. The full interview will be uploaded to YouTube on the Privy channel. Or if you want to actually see us in your feed, you can find clips of this episode on all our future episodes on Instagram at Ecom Marketing School. And if you're on Twitter, you can find Sky at Skylight Living and you can find me at Tony from the Pot. So thank you for listening and I will see you next time. Bye. Thanks, Sky. Bye. Bye.